Welcome to Walter Unfilter here in our Fox Sports Studios. Today's guest, NASCAR Hall of Famer and four-time champion, Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon and I shared the track for many races for many years. That means we have many stories that we're going to tell you. Remember, if you want to tell your friends to add us via their favorite podcast app, we have a fun time here at Walter Unfiltered, and today is going to be special with Jeff Gordon. Be ready. Green flag, green flag. Well, welcome to our plush Fox Studios and the Waltrip Unfiltered studio specifically. I got several cool memorabilia items around, including my Jeff Gordon Rainbow Warriors number 24 car. Very cool. Well, I, I've been watching the show. Great job and congrats. So good to be on the show finally. Yeah, it's, it's awesome to have you here today. And I just got to tell you a quick story and show you a video right quick uh, about this morning. So I go to the local coffee shop. And the lady there, her name is Susan. And she says, how was that race, Mike? Did you like the race? And I said, yeah, I liked the race, Susan. I thought it was very competitive. Um, well, who's, who do you think is going to win this weekend? I'm like, it'd be hard to beat Kyle Busch. I don't really know about that. Um, so it's always just monotone, <laughs> telling me what she thinks, until I said this to her this morning. Just push play and watch it. I love it. I love, I love it too that. because That's it made awesome. her so. When I said, like, it, as a driver, as a former racer, when some little kid sees me and wants my autograph and he smiles, that 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 does it for me oh, because yeah. I'm like, I did something that made him happy. And with Susan, you know, usually it's just down the middle. And, and when she <laughs> lit up when I said your name, and I just wanted you to see that. Uh, I appreciate that. No, that never gets old, right? That never gets old. And especially as I've gotten older, it only gets better when, when you run into to folks like that that um, follow you. Of course, you, you feel a little older. Yes. Because uh, uh, they usually are telling stories about, I was this old, you know, I was 15 <laughs> when I, and now they're all grown up and have kids and everything. So, uh, but no, that's, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You, you travel all over the world. Obviously I see some great pictures of you and your family. Uh, well, tell me, I was in New York city last week, uh, doing some stuff for the premiere of our documentary. And what's really cool to me is when you're in New York city and somebody's looking at you mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know who that is, but I know him somehow. <laughs> and then they finally figure it out and say, hello. How, how is it being Jeff Gordon in New York City or in France or Rome or wherever you are traveling, and, and how many people notice who you are? Well, you know how if you're in, let's say you're in Charlotte, and, and you know, you, 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 like, put your sweatpants on to go get some coffee or something, um, and you, you see somebody that you think might know you, you're kind of like, <laughs> like this, right? Because you just, you're just not prepared for it. You're like, ah, not this morning. But when you're in New York City and you see somebody that has a NASCAR hat or shirt, you're like, hey, man, you love NASCAR? And they're like, uh, aren't you Jeff Gordon? I mean, stuff like that. So it's totally different, you know. And, and I think big markets, whether it's New York or L.A., I, 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 uh, you know, I kind of more look for it just to see what kind of impact you're making in those kinds of areas. So, uh, yeah, now I, usually, though, you're walking by a construction site, you know, in New York, and, and those, those guys with the hard hats are, are big sports fans and NASCAR fans. Right, right. So back in the late 90s and into the O's, there was, there was DuPont Rainbow 
coats mm. all over America. I couldn't go to any town, even if we weren't racing, and not see one of those. What, what a what a run it was up from being a dirt racer out in California, making your way to Indiana, uh, and then being the most popular and and one of the most successful NASCAR drivers ever. For for me, it seemed like it took me forever to enjoy the success that I loaned for so much. And with with you, it it just never quit. It just was winning and winning and winning. How did you process all that as a kid leaving California and thinking about what might be out there? Yeah, I mean, it certainly came sooner and maybe a little quicker than, than I thought it would. I, it really all happened. I had been racing for a long time and, and enjoyed some success on the track um, and wanted to be a race car driver. But when I started racing live on ESPN for uh, Thursday Night Thunder, it all of a sudden it just took off. You know, I, I, I'd never raced on TV before. It was, it was always just local stuff or, you know, dirt track stuff. And it would be in a speed sport news or something like that. And you're like, oh, cool, man, we won and our name's in there. But then I won live on TV and all of a sudden it's like people come up to me and, and hey, I watch you. I saw you win that race or we'd pull into a gas station on our way to, to a racetrack and people coming up going, aren't you that kid that won that race? And so all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what's going on here? And, you know, we just built on that. You know, we just started going and racing on TV as much as we could and getting our name out there. And luckily we were winning a bunch on TV. And it just from that point on, I would say. It, it took off pretty fast, and then I won the Brickyard 400 and, you know, the 600 in 94, and it was just <laughs> exactly. <like that. laughs> and, you know what I love? There's a picture of you somewhere, and you look like you're 12, but you might be 16. Um, but the, the right rear tire of the sprint car you're sitting on is bigger than you are. <laughs> do, do, you, uh, do you remember that and how, like, what an awesome beast that this little kid is crawling in and taking command of? That, uh, that had to feel like a... A crazy feeling well at the time you know I was just my, my stepdad was giving me this confidence that I could do something that clearly was not a good idea <laughs> I mean you know if I see a kid I, I, I go to some sprint car races every once in a while and if they tell me all oh, that kid right there is 15 years old I'm like get him out that's just crazy um, but I wouldn't be where I am I wouldn't be sitting here if I hadn't gotten in a sprint car at such a young age but I, I actually recently was watching a, a, a video and it was the first that first time when I drove a sprint car uh, down in Florida. What track was it? it it's called East Bay Speedway. Yeah, that's yeah. David Rudiman's home track. Yeah, and so uh, there was like a three or four day event there. It was an all star event, and we found out that I could race there because this other kid was racing there. It was under sixteen, and so we went there. And I so it was so funny because it was documented by this guy named Jerry Clum. This guy Jerry Clum used to film every sprint car race in, in Ohio and Indiana, especially all the all-star races, and you'd get this VHS tape. So anyway, somebody posted it, so I was watching it. It was so cool, man, to, to see the progression from the first night of I couldn't I couldn't even make a lap to by the end of it, I'm in the B main. You know? wow. So it was, yeah, pretty cool. Who, who were your heroes? What what? I know your stepfather was instrumental in your racing, but what drivers as a kid did you look up to and say, I want to be like that guy? Yeah. Um, well, shoot, it started in quarter midgets. Uh, Jimmy Vassar was a kid that when I w would go and race, he had all the track records. So I would go to a racetrack, and, and if somebody had their name up there more than once, I was like, who's that kid? 
and he was older than me, obviously. And Jimmy Vassar was one of those guys, and so I wanted him to to beat those track records. And then, of course, as I started getting more into racing, it was Steve Kinzer, and, you know, uh, uh, Doug Wolfgang, sprint car drivers. I, I I love sprint cars. My parents introduced me to that at a young age. Even though in California you didn't think of of sprint car racing being a big deal, it was right around the area that mm-hmm. that we grew up. And actually, there was a track in Vallejo where I grew up uh, that doesn't exist anymore. So I started r- watching sprint cars, and, and Steve Kinzer was the king. The main, He was the Richard Petty, right, of sprint cars. It wasn't until later I started watching IndyCar and then even later NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rick Mears and A.J. Foyt, those guys, probably Rick Mears more than anybody was was the guy I looked up to the most. Where did Kenny Schrader fit into all this? Because <laughs> well, he, he became my hero after I got to be his teammate and hang out with him. <laughs> there was a lot more going on there than you were aware, aware of, huh? See, see, I, I, think, I think the way Kenny puts it is, Jeff, you know, I may not have taught you as much on the track, but think of all the things yeah. I taught you off the track. Valuable lessons. <laughs> Valuable lessons. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in that same category. I couldn't have... Uh, I don't think I could have seen the whole picture quite as good as I do if it weren't for our friend Kenny Schrader. He's awesome. I remember you showing up. This is kind of a funny story um, for me, not for you, I don't guess. But I remember, I remember you showing up for that test in Rockingham. You're driving that 67 white Pontiac. Is that? I well, mean, it wasn't a 67 yeah. Pontiac. Well, well, we didn't test at Rockingham. We tested at Charlotte. Um, I thought Rockingham, we just... Showed up to race, but you sh- just qualified second, yeah, right? we did. Mm-hmm. So Buddy Baker was, was really proud of his student. Right. Because you'd been to his school, right? Yes. And so we're staying on the media center, and, and you know, I'm, was, that, was, was that 91 or 2? That would have been 90. 90. End of, end of 90. Yeah. So I've been around a while, you know, and I've seen a lot of kids, even at this point in my life, I'd seen a lot of kids come and go. Yeah. And Buddy Baker's like... You watch number 67. He's the real deal. He's, he's, he came down here to school, and he's faster than anybody's ever been. And you qualified second. I'm like, all right, we'll see how this goes. And you didn't have a good race that no, day. No, no, I think I lasted about 23 laps. <laughs> I knew <laughs> it was I early. backed it in the wall. Big Buddy was up there watching, and then, uh, <laughs> you know, just went out of him like that. But what, what do you remember about that first NASCAR experience? Yeah, we um – you know, I, because I, I did go to the school, and of course we all know the school cars, right? They don't have a lot of power, and they don't. I mean, but Buck's school was pretty decent, and that track was a good one to, to learn on. And I, I, I love the experience right away. Um, and then, you know, met Hugh Connerty there, and, and he's the one that had that, that car. And then it goes back to Leo Jackson and, and Andy Petrie and then Ray Evernham. I mean, it's crazy that that one introduction led to those things. And, and, you know, we went to, um, we went and tested, I think the first time was in Charlotte and we, uh, uh, we were pretty quick. Chuck Bound got in the car cause it was a Pontiac and, and showed me how fast it was capable of going. Cause I, <laughs> I had no clue. You weren't there yet? I had no clue. I don't even know why they let me get on that track to be honest that day. But anyway, um, you know, by the end of it, we were pretty quick and we didn't make that race. It rained out and we had crash and all stuff in the qualifying race, but we go to Rockingham and I mean, the whole time it was just plowing, plowing, plowing. And so we just kept loosening it up, loosening it up, loosening it up. So we go to qualifying, we qual- hauled butt, right? Qualifying. And I'll never forget because Leo Jackson was coming over and talking to us a little bit, and Andy and, and Ray's like, man, we just can't get this thing free enough. We can't get it free enough. 
and, and he's just, you know, tight, tight, tight. So I talked to him a little bit. So we did some things, freed up, obviously, getting the race, and it's just dead sideways. Mm-hmm. And I hung on to it <laughs> for 20 <laughs> laps before I wrecked it. And a- afterwards, I remember being on pit road, and, and Leo, you know Leo, he just, this guy was, I mean, every word that came out of his mouth, you wanted to listen because he was such a wise person. Yes. And he's like, well, boy, next time, I don't think you'd be worried about whether you're tight. You were wondering whether you're tied enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you weren't that day, but uh, you started something, uh, I think, and I'd love to hear your, your, your uh, view on this. You were the first kid that showed up that got a good car. I yeah, mean, uh, everybody, you know, had to pay their dues and struggle, and we weren't hiring any kids. And you showed up and, and got that opportunity. And the fact that you were so successful, that opened the door for many kids your age racers that you know i don't think would have maybe gotten their chance and and it also set the world to dreaming you know kids in california girls that Mm -hmm. that raced with you i mean i just give you a lot of credit for for inspiring young racers to say he did it i can do it well thank you i i mean i only look at it as i raced with a lot of people over the years that were really talented and and why one gets the break or meets the person or or gets aligned with a great team and why one doesn't i'll never understand it um probably as i get older as i was prepping for you know my hall of fame speech it probably ran through my brain even more than it ever had before of wow how incredible that was Mm -hmm. that, that these things happened the way they did and um i i actually i was up in indianapolis this this past weekend for the brickyard and I ran into uh, Raleigh Helming, who owned that midget. And we started talking about just even me getting that opportunity to drive that midget, which is the car that I ended up winning on ESPN with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it's just insane to me that, that you know, Rick Hendrick was there that day in, in um, Atlanta to see me win that race. Why Ford and Bill Davis picked me up after, I mean, I sat on the outside front row and crashed lap 23. <laughs> And yet, you know, I got that call, and and it's just kind of crazy to me that those things happen. But um, I I just tried to take advantage of the opportunity when it came, and and if it inspired others or if it had an impact to give others an opportunity, that that's that's so cool. You know, I mean, I feel like people were there paving the way, like Ken Schrader. I mean, like you know, NASCAR people were looking at dirt track talented drivers that were from other forms. That's why I love NASCAR. You know, I, I love it because look at this weekend. You had drivers in the Cup Series racing a, a dirt midget on Thursday at, in the infield and then going and competing in, in Cup on, on Sunday. What other series has that and does that? None. And I think that's because of the talent pool that we have and also the way that, that the owners look at who they're hiring. It's so cool. Well, you you mentioned that midget race at at Indianapolis. Did you see Kyle Larson's win? Oh, my God. I've never seen a finish like that, ever. I I haven't either. Isn't it insane? (laughs) There's only three cars left. (laughs) Two of them flip, one spins. (laughs) (laughs) What what fun that was to to see the the reaction for Kyle Larson. Yeah. Uh, And you said he's going to be in the the Brickyard 400, but he's over over there racing his midget. Oh, he loves his dirt racing. Yeah. if you want to know what has gotten Kyle Larson to, to be so passionate about dirt racing, just meet his mom and dad. I mean, if he's not racing, they're at a dirt track somewhere watching a race, and, and they just love that type of racing. 
uh, certainly has, has taught him a lot, uh, 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 you know, brought out, I think, his talent. So it's fun to see him go back and, and drive those. Um, and I, I went to the Chili Bowl this year, went to Knoxville. I mean, I love it, too. You know, I, I'm probably not wanting to get behind the wheel of those cars these days like he is. I wonder when's the last time you were in a sprint car. Do you remember? I only remember running the Hoosier Dome, the indoor pavement race in a midget, like in 93. I think it was my rookie year uh, in, in Cup. I, I went back up there and, and drove a midget. But um, I, I don't think since I've been in Cup. I did it. A lot of people don't realize this that when I got into what was Bush Grand National at the time, I, uh, so 91 was my first year with Bill Davis, and I would run Midgets and Silver Crown. And so I did that 91, a uh, little bit 92. But 91, I think I won the, the, the Silver Crown Championship because we were going back for that. Mm-hmm. I'd, ra- I'd race, um, you know, on Saturday in, a, in the stock car, and I'd, get on a plane and, and hop over and, and run the Silver Crown car or a midget or a sprint car. That's yeah, uh, fun times, and I'm glad I get to live that world through Larson and Ricky Stenhouse yeah, and totally. those guys getting to see how passionate people are about their dirt racing. As you can imagine, with uh, Jeff Gordon being our guest, along with how excited my coffee lady Susan was, <laughs> we have a lot of people from Reddit and Twitter oh boy, who have sent in questions and are – Fox Sports social guru, CJ, has taken a knee. He's got a microphone. He's alongside producer Ford. And uh, they would like to pose a question or two to you, Jeff Gordon. Let's do it. I I love hearing from the fans. And so, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for being here today. And to everyone that that tweeted using hashtag AskMikey and on the Reddit threads, uh, thank you. We've got a couple uh, prizes that we're going to give out for some of our favorite questions this week. I've got those trading cards that I've been giving out all year, so we'll give some of those away. But one of the questions that came in uh, over the last couple of days was from Twitter, and Ryan wants to know, what was the conversation with Ingrid like when you told her you were going to fill in for Dale Jr.? <laughs> uh, well, the funny thing is, we were in France. Uh, we when 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 I knew we were gonna, I was gonna retire. Um, then, of course, she started planning vacations. She's like, "Oh, good. You mean we get two weeks off instead of one week off?" So I was like, "Yes." <laughs> so she and I went to France, and we were. Uh, just get back, I think, from lunch, and and it's it, again. I, I think of these these crazy things that have happened in, in conversations, and what happened to happen that day. I was at lunch with some friends of ours that that live uh, here in the U.S., and one of their sons said to me, "So okay, you know, you're no longer driving, but what happens if one of your teammates or you know one of the drivers that are at Hendrick, what happens if something happened to them? Would you fill in?" And I was like. Well, I mean, there's probably some other drivers that would, you know, be better suited for that. I said, but I guess, yeah, if I if 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 I had to or if it came up, I guess I would. That was lunch. That afternoon, I'm at back at the hotel and I get this call from Rick, and Rick knew I'm on vacation, so I looked at my phone. I looked at Inger and I said, "This can't be good." <laughs> yeah. and so she's looking at me like, "What?" So I'm like, "Hey, boss," and so I'm talking to Rick, and. When he first told me, you know, hey, you know, Dale Jr. Uh, is, is not going to be able to get in the car this weekend, and uh, we need you. To, I thought he was just messing with me because he, he's a prankster. I mean, he loves to mess with me, and he's always trying to pull my leg and do different things that, that get me going. So I thought he was messing with me. 
And then when I realized he wasn't messing with me, I, you know, for whatever reason, because that conversation that happened at lunch, Ingrid even mentioned at lunch, she's like, yeah, I kind of miss him driving. I, I miss that competition. I miss being there rooting for him at the track. It's not the same. And she, I think she was talking about went to Daytona and, and, and you know, went up to Chase Elliott's car before the race. And here he is driving the 24 car. And she's like, we were so excited for him, but it wasn't the same. <laughs> and so I didn't even ask her. I just said, yeah, boss, I, I'll, I'll be there. I'll do it. And, uh, and, and of course the first race was Indianapolis. So I thought, sure, man, I'll go, I'll go right racing the brick car. That's, I thought it was a one race deal. I had no idea I was going to be in there for eight races. Wow. And I think I said, no problem, but I don't want to do this track and I don't want to do this track and I don't want to do this track. <laughs> and I ended up doing those tracks. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, you know, I hated what Dale was going through. Um, and, and I've, I mean, when Rick asked, I, I've never said no to Rick for all the things he's done for me and, and, and giving back to, to my life. I'm not going to say no to him over something like that. So, um, you know, it, it certainly didn't go as well as I would like. I, I don't know if I've ever you know, talked to you about my, my first lap. So I went into the simulator, right? And I'm with the engineers and I'm getting fit and I'm doing all these things. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. And I went out there the first lap and I busted off this lap. And I was third fastest in practice. Wow. Well, the, 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 what nobody knows about is the second and third lap, I was about a second off because I about hit the wall in turn three. I drove in there like it, it was the simulator, <laughs> and it did not stick or handle the way that uh, I was hoping it was going to. And I was like, whoa, because that was the lower down force. Oh, yeah. I was like, whoo, a lot different than it was the, the year before. So what was, what was the process like, and, and was it from France to Indy? So did you have a little time? So I think the first weekend, uh, Alex Bowman, I think drove. I think I, I think I think he was in the car the first weekend at New Hampshire. I couldn't make it yes. for that one, and I think they'd already got a seat being put in the car and everything. So then I did the next one, which was uh, which was Indy. I don't know how all that, those dates worked out, but that's that's how it worked out. Um, yeah, I mean, we came back I think a day or two early from from vacation just so I could get you know, get my seat fitted and we had to get a uniform, a helmet, all, all these things going. It was not an easy process, but you know, it it was neat because I got to interact with, with juniors guys and, and with Greg Ives. And it it really helped me now in the position I'm in now over Hendrick because, you know, not only, and with Fox, because I got to get in the cars and be a little more current, but also, um, you know, working with those guys gives, I only worked with Alan and, you know, and, and with Robbie Loomis and a few guys that, that really, um, you know, I never got a chance to, to work with some of these other guys. So it was great to be over there in that shop with those guys and learn how they, they, they go about things. And um, I got to admit, by the end of it, I think my last race was Martinsville. I was like, wish I had a few more because I was just starting to get, you know, in the swing of things with that team. Well, you talked about Mr. Hendrick and what all he's meant to your life. What take us back to meeting Ray and and Rick and the the goals and like I, I know you couldn't have been naive or bold enough to think that you're going to go out and accomplish the things you did you said it earlier you thought it would come later rather than sooner uh, how how when did you first say to yourself well with this Ray guy I I think we I think we can do this I think we can win a lot of races well I knew Ray was special the first time I'd met him I mean I'd worked with um, you know, we didn't really call them crew chiefs in, in sprint cars and midgets, but you know, you had you had your 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 owner or your mechanics and, and guys that that helped set up the car, and and 
you know, I, I got in cars that were really good and I got in cars that weren't so good, but I'd never been with anybody that was as organized as Ray was. The first time, and, I, and my dad tells the story um, far better than I do, I'm sure, but he, uh, he's like, I'll never forget that call when you tested the first time with Ray. I think it was the Charlotte test. And I called him, I said, man, you're not going to believe this guy, Ray. And he's got a notebook, and he's writing every word I say. He's, like, writing it down. I had never been around anything like that, which, you know, now looking back on it, probably wasn't that special. <laughs> but at the time, it was. But, but Ray immediately had this confidence in me. Like, he was writing things down, and he was, if I said that this part of the corner is where I felt like I needed work, he would go to work on it. And then I'd go out there, and I'm like, damn, he fixed it, right, yeah. or made it better. Um, and it immediately just built this bond that he and I had and this confidence in one another. So I knew that that was special. Um, you know, I didn't know. I had never driven a, a stick shift or done a pit stop. You know, I never did anything like that. So there was a huge learning curve that I had to go through. Uh, and, and luckily it happened on some great short tracks and things in the Bush Garden National Series at that time. You know, a lot, lot more short tracks mm -hmm. than today. Um, and then the cup car, my cup cars were handled better than my, my Bush Grand National cars. And, and my Bush Grand National cars were awesome. Right. But I'm telling I expected to get in the cup car with all the more power and, and, and you know, how that car was going to drive and the speed you're carrying in the corner. I expected that I'm going to be crazy out of control here and not, not know what I'm doing. But my cars handled really good. Now, I still found a way to screw it up because I, I was for a couple of months is all. <laughs> well, I was used to running, you know, uh, thirty and forty lap races and just hanging it out the whole time. So I had to get used to that. Uh, but um, I, I think for me, the 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 one where it really started to click was the six hundred, my rookie year. Mm -hmm. uh, we qualified up front, ran with Earnhardt a good bit that day, and I think we ended up finishing second to to him that day and. It, it was sort of like a switch went off. You know, now we're in May, we're about halfway through the season, and, and things just started to click. And, and when I ran, you know, a 600-mile race and could, could run up front all day long and get through all the pit stops, all those things, I felt like that was when I started believing that, that I could do it. And then, you know, I knew the team and Ray and those guys and, and Hendrick had all the resources. But it wasn't until I felt like I could give them the same effort they were giving me. And I felt like that race was sort of a turning point. That's a, a special feeling when, when, it, when it all comes together and you're able to get out and, and look around and say, we're, we're heading in the right direction. And, and it happened as, as a rookie. That's just, I remember they, they said about you, I heard maybe the first time I'd heard it, it's, it's better to have to slow a guy down than speed him up. Yeah. And that's basically the first few months or first few races of, of your rookie season. You, you had to learn that lesson. I was, as I was talking this weekend to Alan Gustafson. We were, uh, me and him and Chase Elliott were just talking after their practice session at, at the Brickyard. And I don't know how we got on this, this subject, but we were, I think we were just talking about diff, you know, some of the Hendrick drivers and <clears throat> the way they were approaching the corners. And I started talking about you know, driving in deep and backing up the entry and all these things. And then I started going, wait a minute. I never did any of those things. Plus, <laughs> and, plus and, you also know you really don't know. You're just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but it was funny because now I'm talking to Alan, and he's looking at me, and I said, listen, here's the way I approached it. In practice, I was always overdriving the entry and, and telling you to make it 
uh, you know, get the car to work because this is what I needed to do and I'm going to drive in this deep. And he'd always say to me, well, I think if you backed up that entry. And I said, I never figured it out in practice, but in the race, I always dialed it back and found a way. And he's like, well, if you're ever going to find it, find it in the race. Don't yes. find it in practice. And, and that was just kind of the way that, that I approached things. Um, you know, I, would, I was always really aggressive, especially driving into the corner. And, uh, you know, and, and it challenged those guys. Uh, but, but luckily, when I got around other cars and got in the race and got into a pace, I'd started, you know, backing it down enough to. And, and you know, over time, you just, you just learn how to be more patient and smarter. I, 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 I'm sure you probably felt the same way. I was, I was a better race car driver later in my career because I had the patience. Uh, but I was far worse on restarts. <laughs> yes. That's how you can tell a guy's getting old, you know? <laughs> That's all you have to do is watch that. And, and when, when you're six, then you wind up 13th? Yeah. Hard to make up those yeah. spots. I'll tell you a funny story. At the end of my career, we were at Atlanta, and they throw the green, green flag for a 500-mile race. And we going into turn one literally – Turn one, four wide, on the first lap, first turn. And I'm like, why are these people in such a damn hurry out here? <laughs> and then I went down the back straight and I thought, you know, if, if you're in a race and you ain't in a hurry, maybe it's time to <laughs> decide not to be in all these races anymore. <laughs> but, but those restarts are freaky. And you said you just came from Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I want to ask you about uh, the race yesterday. But first, I'd like to... Uh, that has to be the most special win of your life, winning at the Brickyard with, with all that area meant to you. Oh, yeah. What, what um, and you beat Dale. He, yeah. was, he was thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Talk that, about that experience. Well, that, and that was even before I realized how special it was and, and meaningful it was in my career to do something before Dale did it, right? Because, uh, I mean, you know, I looked up to him. I just respected him so much, and I, I probably didn't know him well enough to know like those those huge moments in the sport, he wanted those for himself, right? He's like, those are mine. Um, so I, I kind of see it later. But yeah, I grew up again watching the Indy 500 uh, from California. I went to the Indy 500 a couple times as a kid, uh, as a fan. I was probably racing quarter midgets or something around Indiana, and and we were looking at doing sprint cars, and so. So we go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and so I, I, you know, I drove in there and just was in awe of that place. It's like wow, and even when I was racing midgets and sprint cars, I would go in there every other week because we had sponsors that were located in the infield there, like Valvoline Oil, and um, um, you know, you go to Simpson and get get Simpson equipment, things like that. So I always wanted to race there, and and I did pursue the Indy. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, how did we win you over? What what made you decide that you weren't going to be an indie car? Because everything was pointing toward. You said Rick Mears yeah. was your hero, but one of them. Everything was pointing toward IndyCar, but you wound up over here at NASCAR. Well, the, the, well, this is when you look at you know Jeff Gordon, you know, nineteen ninety five, right? And you look at Jeff Gordon, nineteen eighty nine. In nineteen ninety five, I could kind of go and do about anything I wanted. Back in 89, I was begging to do anything, you know, and, and so I, I pursued it, but it was, you know, back then, IndyCars, I mean, they were, they were hitting on all eight cylinders. They were popular, and it was, if you're going to get in a ride, one, you had to be more of a road racer, and, and so there was, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of Americans being recognized at that level, and you had to bring money, and, and I had neither <laughs> of those. Um, so to me, as soon as I got in a stock car and 
I'm on this high banked oval, which the first time, as you mentioned, was Rockingham. I loved it. I was like, I was like, I came back that day and I said, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to pursue, and I'm, I'm, I'll do whatever it takes. It just happened that it all lined up for me. But that is what I wanted to do. I, I think I was far better suited because of my experience being on ovals yeah. than I was being an IndyCar driver. I always just had had assumed that you thought you were going to go Indy racing and, and you wound up going NASCAR. So, so, yeah, it was weird because you would be racing midgets and sprint cars around that area. And I, I had guys like Rich Vogler and Andy Hillenberg and some of these guys that would go run Indy cars, but they were in the back with not a great team mm-hmm. and they, they weren't like competitive. So it wasn't like they, these owners in IndyCar were looking at USAC and going, we need to put these guys in. It wasn't the old days with AJ and Rutherford and, and Mario. It just, it, things had changed dramatically. So, I mean, it was pretty evident that there, that was not really the path to get there. Now, had the IRL been in place, like, you know, for Tony, you know, that, that, that would have changed things. And Tony and I had a conversation about this not long ago. If that had been in place and they were looking for, you know, an open-wheel midget sprint car dirt racer, then I probably would have gotten a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to CJ, see what he has over there on his list of questions for Jeff Gordon. <laughs> and remember, all you have to do is go on your Twitter or your Reddit or your Instagram or your whatever you do. Had uh, Chad Canals on last week, a real social media guru he is. <laughs> And uh, always tweeting, just nonstop, <laughs> just nonstop. And so we were telling our fans, people that listen to and watch the podcast to ask Mikey, hashtag that and send your question and CJ will write it down. And this week we're giving away some trading cards that include, look at there, right on top, Mike and Jeff. They made us look good, didn't they? They did. A little bit of makeup. <laughs> I had a, I wore Spanx I that day. A, I think there's some filtering going on. There. <laughs> Heavy filtering. <laughs> what else you got over there, Siege? All right, so a great uh, great conversation after Ryan Goodrum's question on the last one from Twitter. So I'm going to pick Ryan as the favorite question from Twitter. So Ryan gets some cards. Here you go, Ryan. I'll, send I'll him uh, some. get Jeff Gordon to autograph his, and I'll autograph mine. And then uh, we also got to get you to autograph something for Susan. I would love to take care of Susan. Yes. She's, she's, she will be so happy. That's great. She's special. I, I, I like her. I might have to come up and get some coffee. It's a great coffee house, and she's a special lady. <laughs> All right. So the next question is from Reddit, and this user's name is Chewy for Prez. But they would like to know, uh, Jeff, if you have put any thought into Dale Jr.'s suggestion for you to run the Xfinity race at Martinsville when they return. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's know, a I good had question. To ask about that. It's so funny. He put that out. and. And clearly, I'm not as engaged on social media either as much as, certainly not as much as Junior, um, because I didn't even see that. And then he texts me and almost, I think he cut and pasted off of what he put on Twitter and and sent it to me. And I said, I said, now, why would I, why would I do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know Uh, what I tried to get you to do when you retired from full-time racing? What's that? Do Dancing with the Stars. Oh, you there's, weren't you weren't thrilled about that suggestion an either. Xfinity car than the, now I know why your back hurts. Yeah, so let's rank it: <laughs> Xfinity at Martinsville, Dancing with the Stars. Where 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 do we stand on these two opportunities? Well, first of all, let, let's let's be clear here: a truck is probably above Xfinity because uh, I've always said I think it'd be fun to go do a yes. truck at, at Martinsville, and of course that's on Fox, um, but. Uh, Xfinity would fall below that, and then Dancing with the Stars would 
not even be on there. Oh, it doesn't even make the list, huh? <laughs> well, I'm, but I'm more proud of you than ever. I mean, dude. The only reason it's down the list is because I'm not brave enough. <laughs> well, and, you, and you showed a lot of a lot of bravado. Yes, and I'll tell you this: you've never worked so hard to do something you didn't want to do well, in your whole I need, life. I need to get in shape, so maybe I do need to to, to do it. Um, I I enjoyed the experience, but um, I, the best part of it when was when the dance was over. <laughs> I, could, I could just breathe for a night or two. Like, please don't make me do that again. <laughs> oh no, actually, you made it to the next round. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> Please don't vote for me. <laughs> no, no vote for Mikey. Go ahead. While you're on a row, CJ, that was a good yeah. one. All right. So uh, I like that question as well. So I, and, think that and was an, I think that was basically a thanks but no thanks. Well, I like the fact, too, I was kind of involved with the trucks answer yes. at yeah, Atlanta a few years ago. Way, so. Yeah. I'm going to keep asking those, just keep stirring it a little bit. But uh, the next question that we had also came from Reddit, and this one's from KAD Racing, and they would like to know, who in the field would you say right now is the most underrated driver? I love those questions, and you know me, Jeff, when we do the Xfinity or, or get a chance even on the cup race when you see uh, somebody outperforming their equipment, you right, know, or you right. watch a guy that just seems to finish a little bit better than you thought he was going to. Yeah. Uh, I, I've had uh, the, the the good fortune to have Corey LaJoy on on my show, mm -hmm. and he he would he you know, and I'm Ross Chastain also sure. with with the equipment. Ross so, has been amazing. Yeah. So both those guys had had decent runs at Indy. Corey got a top twenty. I'm I, you know I don't think you can say underrated for Ross Chastain because right. everybody knows how talented he is because of what he's accomplished in in the Xfinity for his few races right. and. And the trucks, but yeah, I I'm, think that's the question: is how how do you rank, or who, who who do you go to that you think is considered underrated? Because, in my opinion, right now, Jimmy Johnson's the most underrated guy because this guy is the best race car driver I've ever driven. Wow! Against. And and you know to see him going through what he's going through right now, I know if if Hendrick gives him the tools, you know, he, he can go get it done. And I think they show, they stepped things up this past weekend and he, and he was fast. So, um, I think, and, and, you know, I just, I, it, it, it kind of, you know, irks me that he's won so many races, so many championships and doesn't, I think, get the notoriety that, that I think he should. Anyway, um, if you go to some, I mean, De Benedetto, I think is, you know, and, and I, again, do you, do you consider him underrated? I don't know if you really do I don't, because I think he's pretty talented and people know it. Right. I, I I would go down. I would go down for me personally to Corey. Yeah. Because he's really never had the chance to to show what he could do if he gets in that top equipment, yeah. and he, he seems to do a pretty nice job. Oh, I I agree. I, and he's he, you know these days I look at it slightly different than I used to. It's talent and personality, right? Because. Uh, you know, you want to see guys that, that help grow the sport and, and do a lot uh, on and off the track. Corey definitely is that guy. It's so hard, right, because I'm not out there driving against them. And that was the thing. I, you know, I got to race with so many of these guys, and I could tell you whether I thought their equipment was at the same level as their talent was or above it or below mm -hmm. it. You know, there were some days it was just like, man, their cars unbelievable and the other days i was like man that driver's getting everything out of it and yeah. that car is not that good so it's hard when you're not out there with them competing against them and and then you know i i always struggle with this whole thing about 
guys wanting an opportunity, so they, they put themselves out. And Ross is even one of these guys. They get an equipment that's going to ride around the back in the Cup Series, and you go, you know, why would they do that? What, what is that doing for them, you know, for their career? But then you go see, and he drives a truck and wins a truck race. He drives, you know, Xfinity wins an Xfinity race, and you're like, man, this guy's super talented. kind of wish he'd just pick and choose a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> well, I would like I, – I like – I like what Ross has done. Like you, I appreciate him and and Corey and and over on the Xfinity side, there's a kid named Brandon Brown that just seems to to really always overachieve. We were at Dover a couple years ago in a truck, and he he broke a track bar getting into turn three oh. at Dover. Oh boy! And never hit. He was all around, and I'm like, that is nuts. And we're at Bristol, uh, this 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 past race, and he broke another track bar. Oh my! Gosh. And he didn't wreck again. And I said, get some better damn track bars on that on your automobile or your truck because it's crazy how you can drive it, but it keeps falling apart on you. Yeah, I mean, it's either either that guy's really talented or he needs to go racing, you know, uh, rally cars or, yeah. something. <laughs> or, or, or or midgets on dirt. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Um, we talked about Dale a little bit ago when you said that um, <laughs> that he wanted to grab those moments and he wanted to be the man when when did you notice that you were getting on his nerves like the, you know the way you were able to come in and win and and i know y'all had a special relationship and and it was it was totally you know out of respect you yeah. respected each other you appreciated one well, another i never knew he respected me i knew i respected him yeah <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> you, know, you know he has a funny had a funny way of, of showing you his respect yes it was let me let me run into you and see <laughs> if you can catch it <laughs> so so talk about racing with dale in, in those days when when he might have run into you or, or when you just beat him and and uh you could tell it was very uh, hard for him to, to well, take. Well, that, that's the way I look at it. I, I got a chance to do something that not many people got a chance to do, which was you know compete against him for a championship and come out on top. But I think 95, you know, 95 when we went head-to-head for the championship that year, um, you know, about, about, I don't know, maybe halfway through the season when you started seeing that it was kind of looking like it was me and him, um, then he started – playing up stuff in the media and, and starting to get trying to get into my head and and we just had an awesome race team that year you know we just we just had been building you know it, I mean it's still hard for me to believe right when we you think about it how few guys come in and win their champ, first championship three years in and and so again I give a lot of credit to Ray and, and Hendrick Motorsports I mean we just we built something really special and and it all came together in 95 so that's when he and i really built this this rivalry that that we had and it, it to me it wasn't even a rivalry right to me it was i just wanted to go out there and win and and and, and try to win the championship i didn't want to get involved in the media and, and and even if yeah i wanted to sell souvenirs but even i i wasn't thinking let me do some marketing ideas just but he was super focused on all that right he's like i've been here done this this is not my first time at this and he just knew how to capitalize on it so i would watch him do these things and at first i thought man he just he's just cruel right he just he's just relentless uh, he's the intimidator and and later i realized you know he was doing it to help grow his brand the sport and and you know and mine really quite frankly i mean the things he was doing was helping me out and and i didn't realize that till 
many years later. But, but just think about how, how opposite y'all were and how easy it was for him to say, all right, I'm going to get all my people, all my fans over mm -hmm. there, and we're going to go against that guy. Yeah. And like I said earlier, you're the first first kid, really, that came in with a chance like you had and took advantage of it and, and won that championship in 95. And the speed I remember uh, for, for you and your team, 97, 98, you won, what, 23 races those yeah, two years? Yeah, I, mean, I, I can't remember the exact number. John's over here could probably, but yeah, from 95 through 99, I mean, that, that's, that stretch was, honestly, I don't even know if maybe Petty matched it, you know, back in the day, but that number of wins over the, you know, we finished second in the points in 96 to Terry, my teammate, and, but we, you know, could have won four in a row, mm -hmm. but the number of wins was just ridiculous. So, yeah. yeah, we were, we were just clicking, man. It was, in 98, we would go to the racetrack. And it was basically, you know. Almost done already. Who's going to finish second? I mean, we were winning races we shouldn't have won. We were winning races we should have won. We were just, just winning a lot. It was That was crazy. I mean, it was crazy because if you're in it long enough, you know that it's not going to always go that way. So, yeah. so you probably never appreciate it as much as you should at the moment. But certainly later I look back on it and go. And even now working for Fox every weekend, right? You're you're working with stats and you're you're going, okay, this guy's doing this and this guy's doing this. Hey, there's well, my picture again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so you go, man, those were some special times. Yeah. I know how good it feels when I'm on Fox and they said, Michael Waltrip won here one time in 1990. I'm like, hell yeah, look at there. That's Mike every week. So <laughs> you and I will you tell had you some streaks uh, that we <laughs> we put up in the stats every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, not always on the on the good <laughs> side though. But I will tell you this: you you really got on my nerves as a as a as a guy showing up like you did and going to winning like you did. And you know I'm and and then the doors you're opening. And here comes Bobby Labonte and he starts. You know he gets a great ride. You open the door for a lot of guys that just got chances, like I said earlier, and and. For an old guy, you know, I was sitting there thinking, well, damn, how come I didn't get a car like that when I first started? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, you know, there, it, there was a bit of a movement there. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I have some special memories of you. I mean, dude, that Bahari team and, and the Pennzoil sponsorship, that was, yeah. you, were getting, you were getting after it those days. I, I mean, I, you were fast, too. Yeah, I just, it just, it's crazy. And the, the, thing about, the thing about Dale, you know, when, when he hired me, to drive his car, I think he said, I think he had seen the speed I had, you know, like mm -hmm. you had. It wasn't anything, I mean, I, I beat all y'all. In all the Bush Grand National races. Yeah, and also, <laughs> I beat all y'all in cup races, just not all of you on the same day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I might have beat you last week, next guy, you know, but anyway, I, I think that he saw that speed, and he said, Michael's not done a very good job managing his, his career. I'm going to take that over. Right. And that's why I was so, you know, such a good place mentally when uh when he hired me in 2000 and as we prepared for the 2001 daytona 500 i was seeing things being built and and hearing plans from engineers and and from dale himself about how we're going to go win races it i'd never heard any of that before yeah. it was the coolest thing ever and it gave me that experience what you know what it must have been like for you when when you showed up and mr hendrick hired you to drive his car and ray Everham told you how y'all were going to go win races. Yeah. And, I mean, and I was, I was on this, uh, a pretty decent run leading into that. So I, I, I definitely had confidence because 
I'd won a bunch of midget and sprint car races that gave me the opportunity. And then, you know, even though my rookie year in, in Bush, I didn't win win anything. But the next year, we were winning. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it certainly, I was seeing that cars and teams were prepped like that and were, were giving me the, you know, and, and, and I was just like, that's what I'm, they're hiring me to go out there and, and do it, and I've got the stuff to do it. So, you know, I don't want to say it, it, it seemed natural and normal, but in a way, if you look back at the this, like, four- or five-year span, that's just kind of the, the opportunity that I was being given, and I felt like the pressure was for me not to screw it up. Right. And I, I did quite a few times. but luckily, <laughs> You got it right more luckily, often than luckily not. Luckily, they, they, they kept me around long enough to where we got it, you know, right most most of the time. Yeah, you talked about 97 and 98, won the championship in 01. And that's your fourth, right? Yeah. That, and, well, I, and Ray, I, you know, me and him are buddies, so he understands when I say this. It's not, not any disrespect to him. But I think for me personally, probably the most rewarding one because, uh, um, you know, similar to what we look at now with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, it's just, you know, stepping away out of those shadows and, and being able to go out there with somebody else um, and, and win the championship. Uh, was was a, a you know personal victory for me because I didn't even know I didn't right. even know if I could do it and, and if if I could lead the team or if I could step up and and, and when Ramham leaves you better step up a lot of people had to step up and I was really proud of that and Robbie came in right yeah Robbie Loomis and when how did you how did you decide on Robbie after Ray really, left Ray Ray was the guy that, that that told me you know even though things weren't going great with his departure because. You know, he, he's getting this opportunity with Dodge and leaving, and, and you know, we, we, we were having to scramble to figure out what, what you know, that's going to mean for us. And Rick is saying, hey, I want you to stay. Ray's leaving. You stay. So it, it, it created some friction. We had the, the, the team together, the, the Xfinity Bush Grand National team together at the time. That caused some friction. Um, so for Ray to, even with all that going on, going, listen, I don't know who you're thinking about, but I spoke to Robbie Loomis recently, and, and he showed interest, and I think he's a good guy. I think he's sharp, and, and I think he'd do a good job for you. And so, really, I, I don't even know if I would have had Robbie on, on my radar because the last time I interacted with Robbie, he was he was pretty upset with me because I wrecked his car on pit road at Atlanta. <laughs> and, and and the king or Robbie and nobody was very happy with me. So did the king come at you with that finger? Oh, that thing was a mile. Long, yeah, looks like it's got a marble sewn yeah. in the end of it yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that thing near you. Oh man. So yeah, that was you know I mean to be able to, we and we had a rough year in 2000. I mean when Robbie first came in in 2000, it was how, how, it was not good. With all the success you had had with Ray and you have a rough year with Robbie, how how close were y'all to saying this isn't working? That's a good question. That's a good question. I, I don't I don't remember that being, you know, I, I thought it was always, well, we got to work through, we got to make some, you know, where are we weak? I didn't think it was Robbie. I liked Robbie. We got along good. Um, I thought he was doing a good job. I, you know, I told Robbie the first week we hired him, I said, listen, you want you want to be like Ray Evernham and come in here and, and, and take control of this team the way he did. You need to, like, fire four people. And, and he didn't listen to me. He's like, nah, you know, I need to learn, see who these people right. are. And I look back on that, and I was like, I admired the heck out of that, that, that you know, 
he he didn't he didn't get pressure from me or anybody else. He's like, I'm going to do it my way, and he stuck to it. Um, and because of that, I think I think you know, 2000 was just we were just off as a company. And I think the other thing was my teammates were running good. Um, you know, I think it was Nadu or somebody was going pretty fast in 2000. He, big right rear spring and, and some big sway bars and I wasn't don't you love thinking about all oh, that yeah. crap and we I lived did, and I didn't want to I didn't want to try it right they put it in the test <laughs> one time and I was like mm, this is terrible you know I know it's going to be loose so why would you have me do this <laughs> and and then I saw him uh you know some of our teammates doing well with it and Robbie kind of said listen I think we got we got to figure out how to get you comfortable in this and boy, we did, and we had the cars, and then we had the pick. We had it all just lined up in 2001. Well, we've raced through the 90s into 2001. I want to get to 2002, but first, I can tell by the way he's acting. CJ has a question that he would like to ask. Oh well, uh, I just want to now make that sure you that mentioned I mentioned it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that I pointed it out that uh, the question from KAD Racing, who in the field is the most underrated driver? I'm gonna send them a set of cars. I think oh, that, great. that ended up being a pretty good conversation. So thank you guys all once again for all the questions on that Twitter and Reddit. That was the non-answer that I could give in this interview. Yes, <laughs> but it was very well thought out. <laughs> you, you, you didn't answer it very, very profoundly. <laughs> thank you. Well, we'll just make sure. What I always try for Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I, like, I like we, know, we learned on TV. We, we know on TV Jeff Gordon doesn't say, they've got a pit because then they don't. And then they win. They're like, Oh, no. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now you just say, boy, if it was me, I'd pit, right? Isn't that <laughs> right, how you handle yeah. that? Always stay neutral. <laughs> always can, can, you can always fix it later. Yes, that's right. Uh, this was a great question from Twitter that came in from Drew, and uh, they wanted to know, what is a typical week or weekday like for you during the second half of the NASCAR season? Mm. Mm, I want to know this because yeah. I see lots of good pictures on <laughs> boats and yeah, let, on the let, ocean. Well, well, let's let's carve out the end of June until like uh, you know middle of August because that's that that's when my wife my kids are out of school. My wife plans our whole summer and and I mean this is the fortunate part of no longer driving and having the relationship with Fox and Hendrick that I have. It allows me to. To, to spend that quality time with them. So yeah, we're usually going somewhere pretty special and, and my wife plans it, my gosh, probably a year in advance. And um, this year we actually, we went to Italy for about a week, uh, which was really cool. Uh, I'd never been to that part. I've been to Italy, but not that part of Italy. Uh, kids had a great time, great food. I definitely gained some weight. I need to you know, work on that. I need to work on that. Um, but then this summer, we actually, we, we hung out. We were up in New York, and I went to Knoxville uh, for the Nationals. and uh, That turned out good, didn't it? That turned out amazing. David Gravel? <laughs> yes. That was a beautiful sprint car, too. I, uh, I'm, I, that car looked incredible. It I did. Mean, I mean, they, they won everything. Yes. Uh, it was, it was you know, the best-looking car. He won his preliminary night, won the a It was very, very cool to, to be a part of that. It made me look good because I told Exalta, I said, hey, I think we need to sponsor this car. What do you guys think? And they're like, well, I don't know, you know, not good time for budgets and all this stuff. So we figured, figured out a way how to negotiate it and make it work. And, and gosh, they left there going, we didn't know this was going to happen. We didn't know all these people <laughs> care. Like, that's a passionate group of fans, oh, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. But, um, but I, I guess I'll fast forward over after the summer because that part of my schedule is, is – you know where I'm at now, which is going to the races with Hendrick. Um, you know I have an office uh, over at Hendrick Motorsports that I you know 
spend time with my, my folks because, I mean, we still have branding and marketing things that, that, that go on beyond uh, Fox and, and Hendrick and our own dealerships. And so, you know, we're, we're working with that. But the rest of the time I'm, I'm at Hendrick, you going into either uh, uh, some kind of a meeting that has to do with sponsorship or, or competition. And, you know, right now I'd say I'm, I'm more in the, the learning phase of just trying to understand the business, trying to, trying to certainly contribute as much as I can, knowing that I'm not, you know, I'm not there every day in full time, but, but I certainly have a, a vested interest in what goes on there. And I, I, I get, in my opinion, I get the perfect schedule because I get to do TV the first half of the season and I'm, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's almost, it's almost like driving in a way, the instinctiveness to it minus the risk. But plus, then, plus the teammates, you got to yeah, have a good got crew a team around of you. People, all that stuff. So it, that's very cool, and and been, uh, you know, the transition's been great. Then the second half, I get to be involved with the competition. You know, so you see engineers working on things to get more speed out of the car. You see the drivers looking at the telemetry and SMT data and, and what they're doing to, to fine tune what, uh, you know, approaching the race or the track. So to me, that's that's about the best of both worlds to to be able to to come out of driving and. And I want that guy in that TV booth come February the following year. You're glued in to what's going on in the garage area, and you know the marketing side of it. You know what the teams are faced with. You go up in the Fox booth, and what you say is based on facts. Yeah, it helps. It helps a lot. Minus being out there driving, mm-hmm. it, it helps a lot to really know what these guys, the effort they're putting in, what they got going on. One of our Twitter people or Reddit people got you out there driving. You're going to run an Xfinity <laughs> car next year. 95 through 01, you won four championships, all kinds of races. And along in 2002, Jimmy Johnson showed up. Darn that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about. If I could make some choices over. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Tell me about, tell me how that came about. Like, were you instrumental in picking Jimmy? Well, and and I I, I always say this. If, If there's a person or a driver that looks to me and thinks that, I can offer some advice or I can, you know, help them with something and they have the, the, the whereabouts or the guts or whatever you want to call it to approach me and not knowing who I am. Um, I admire that a lot. And Jimmy Johnson is one of those guys. I was, um, I'd heard his name, um, you know, it, it met him briefly at a, at a test and was impressed. I saw what he was doing on the track, but he came up to me at Michigan. We were racing together on Saturday. And before, uh, right at the driver's meeting, he came up and he said, man, uh, could I just pick your brain for five minutes after the driver's meeting? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I don't know if I went to his truck. He came to my truck afterwards, and we just sat there, and, and he had some opportunities that were coming his way to, to possibly go cup racing. And we had just been talking at Hendrick about expanding to a fourth team. Um, we were looking at building a new building for the 24 team, and everybody – like guys like Brian Weitzel and Robbie Loomis and these guys were saying, um, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, we need to look at how other teams are doing it, and maybe we need to build this thing where there's two cars in one building. And so, we'd been on the fence about what to do. Well, so he told me what he who he was talking to, and I said, listen, I said, I don't know, this is premature, but there's some things going on at Hendrick. And he's like, his eyes kind of lit up, and I said, so hold off on some of your decisions. Well, we go run the race, and he smokes me on this last restart with a car that was not as good as mine. I mean, I, I had some of the best stuff out there. And he blows by me and, and finishes ahead of me 
And man, I, that just stuck with me. I left there and I called Rick and I said, Rick, I said, you know, we're on the fence on this, this shop. And, and I, had, I had had equity in Hendrick at that time. So I was very interested in how we were doing business. And, and, and of course I wanted to be as competitive as I could be too, as a driver and a team. So I thought this could benefit me. I thought it could benefit all of us. And then I said, man, I was racing this kid, Jimmy. And he said, yeah, I know Jimmy because he had met him through Ricky. And uh, I said, I think we really need to consider doing this fourth team and hiring him. Wow. And and so that was sort of the first conversations to, to get. Obviously, a lot more had happened. But had I not been out there on the track racing with Jimmy, I don't know if that would have all happened. And if he had not gotten advice from you that morning and talked, he might not have wanted to beat you so bad. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, well, that's what I learned about Jimmy was when he finally came on board at Hendrick, you know, I thought, he just looked up at you know to me and respected me and, and wanted to learn from me. I didn't know he wanted to take all that and just kick my butt with it. <laughs> and he <laughs> but did. But that's it. exactly what he did. And and you know I get people all the time asking you know, why'd you do that? Why'd you give them your cars and your equipment so you could go do that? I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it happened. It's it's we introduced him to the same stuff that I had, and he and Chad and that team they just took it and took it to the next level. So in a way, it it ended up working the way that. I wanted it to. It's just he won more than I did, <laughs> but it did elevate our organization up yeah. to the next level by adding that team. That had to be a little confusing for you, though. Like we're getting better, but but it's, he's doing it. Damn it! But there, I mean, there were moments where it got very frustrating. Yeah, um, you know, because I had always been in this position where if 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 I had the car and and the resources that I felt like I had the ability to go get it done. And, you know, he was just doing things on the next level. And, and it, was, uh, it was tough, you know. It was, it was a wake-up call for me and, and made me work harder, made me be a better race car driver because of it. And, and we, had, we had a great friendship that got a little bit rocky. But, uh, yeah, I remember Texas, you coming on the radio and say, oh, four times a little upset with me, isn't he? Yeah, because, I mean, it was just one of those things where a lot of things culminated to that moment of he'd been getting the best of me. We finally had a race car that day that, that could compete with him. And, and, you know, I felt like it was one of those things where he kind of felt like I should be getting out of his way, and I felt like you should be getting out of my way. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing that's always – me and Jimmy have always been able to, to work through those things and, and maintain – we we have this respect because, you know, I admire what, what opportunity, you know, he took advantage of. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm and I'm proud that I was a part of that. Yeah. Um, and and I think he admires, for similar reasons, you know, me. And and so, um, at the end of the day, we've we've always been able to have a great friendship. And you made Chad into a star. Uh, Chad made himself into a star, man. I mean, you know, Chad's an extraordinary. He, that's an extraordinary story. He was my guest last week, and I was so thankful that I got to hear his story. That's why this podcast has been so fun for me because me and you might drink some beers or hang out at the racetrack, but like I don't get to know what y'all are all about, and this gives me a chance, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, this is fun. I you know I've I've enjoyed doing a couple of podcasts because it is a much different format, right? You get into things a little bit deeper, and uh, and you know we we've gotten to to get to know one another pretty good working together with Fox, so it's been fun. Yeah, I'm glad we're part of the same family, and um, I know that Daryl retiring is going to be it's going to be a different world for us with without ODW there but um, 
I, I loved the camaraderie that y'all shared in the booth. You could tell it was just a mutual respect and really a, a, a fun watch come uh, Sunday afternoon. DW became my buddy, man. I, you know, he and I didn't know one another real well, uh, driving against one another. And, and when he went into the booth, um, and I wasn't sure how all that was going to go down because, I mean, we, we've documented, we joked about, you know, we had some moments on the track that didn't didn't go well but uh man working with him was so cool because i loved his approach and his enthusiasm i mean after doing it for so long you know to be able to to love it the way he did it it, it brought that out in me too um and he's just funny you know he's yeah. just so entertaining and yeah. there's never going to be anybody else like him you know doing tv for for nascar he just he's he's unique and special and 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 such a great way <clears throat> and so uh we're it's gonna be i'm i'm right now i'm like man what's this gonna be like yeah you know, what's this energy gonna be like because it was so easy to have a conversation when when he was in the booth and uh, i think it's gonna put pressure on all of us right to, to step up now, right now that he's not gonna be there and i think everybody on fox will do that because for yeah, 100 yeah. years that's the way it's been done and uh i, I really have enjoyed being your teammate uh, racing against you all those years and watching your successes, I, I really didn't know who you were uh, as a professional. And when you came a part of the Fox uh, Fox team, I could see your prep and how much you put into your job uh, on TV, and I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I've learned a lot from you and, and, and the, the whole group um, of, of what it entails. And I think you, you probably have said this many times of, if you'd only known what goes into TV while you're driving, you'd be you probably would have done things yeah. a lot different and, and been a better, uh, not just race car driver, but you're know, better at, at, at ways to, to grow the sport. And, and so I look at, that's the way I look at it now. And, you know, I, I, for me, my stepfather taught me hard work is, is the key to success. Mm -hmm. He always worked really hard. And, you know, that's, that's to me, when I look back at my best years in a race car, is because of the effort that was being put in by everybody. And, and, and I didn't want anybody to think I was the weak link. Right. So that's the way I approach it you know, now today with, with, with TV, too. That's why I took off running marathons. I didn't want anybody to think they might outlast me. You might outrun me, but you'll never outlast me was always <laughs> my go. Race car driver, TV broadcaster. We know you have a role at Hendrick Motorsports. What are the, the chances or the likelihood that one day Jeff Gordon might run Hendrick Motorsports? Well... You know, I, I'm enjoying what I'm doing with TV right now, and, and so I, I don't know if I have an answer for that. I, I, I love it. I love being a part of, of, of the competition side, and, and I've been a part of Hendrick as, a, as an owner, you know, a small equity owner for a long time. So when I, when I look at the behind-the-scenes, uh, uh, you know, parts and pieces that make a team successful, uh, make the business side of it work or not work, uh, I, I'm pretty fascinated by it. So... I definitely think that it's something that interests me. Good. Uh, and, and Rick uh, puts pressure on me <laughs> a lot because I think, you know, he's, he's long past being uh, in a position to retire. But he, you know, he loves the people. He, it's amazing to me how hard he works and how involved, you know, he still is with his dealerships and, and with, uh, with the race team. So I don't know if I, I, if I, I don't even know today if, if I know. What, what that role is going to be in the future, but I wouldn't be surprised to see it grow. Well, I've really enjoyed it. I've got a, 
um, trip to L.A. today. I'm going to fly out there and uh, show the premiere to the Hollywood folks. Yeah, congrats. Yeah. And that's so cool. Uh, you, you know, you sent me a clip on it, and, man, it looks like it was really well done. And that, uh, you know, I know some of those were tough tough memories to relive yeah. but I think they're important you know important to the sport and important to, to your story well there's a couple of things that are special to me when I moved to North Carolina 40 almost 40 years ago uh, Richard Petty said you can stay with us for a while I had a sponsor comfort coach vans and they sponsored him you remember those conversion yeah. vans oh, yeah. and we used to sit on the couch and watch TV movies talk about racing and eat popcorn and we premiered it last week in New York City and Richard Petty and I sat side by side, watched the movie, ate popcorn together. I'm like, damn, you're talking about coming full circle, being able to have this moment where we're showing this film about a huge part of my life and being able to enjoy it with the king like that. And when it was over, uh, it's funny because the producer guy was next to me and a couple other uh, key people in, in the making of the movie. And Richard leaned over and he said, I don't know who put that all together for you, but they did a good job. Oh, and so that's all, like you get the King, he, he doesn't just give you, uh, uh, you know, compliments for nothing. Right? All right. I mean, it take you got to earn it with him. Yeah. So that, that means a lot. It did mean a lot to me. And also, uh, Dell jr. He appreciated how the story was told. And, um, I'm, I'm so much looking forward to, for everyone to see it. And, um, I appreciate, uh, Appreciate you taking a look at it. Yeah, man. Well, that, that uh, I, I think uh, I think you're going to be overwhelmed with the response you get on it, based on what I've seen so far. So, congrats on that. Yeah, appreciate you coming Thank by. You, man. Thank appreciate you so it, much. Enjoyed it. I uh, can't wait for February to get here soon enough. That's so we can right. Get back uh, back to it. I'll be down there on the grid, waving up there at you. Wow, <laughs> what a conversation! How about the stories? How about the memories? And and what all Jeff Gordon accomplished. I'm so proud to call him a teammate here at Fox Sports. I hope you enjoyed our show. Don't forget, write in questions via Reddit, via Twitter next week. Ask Mikey, hashtag Ask Mikey. We'll read your question. Really enjoyed your input and look forward to talking to you next week. So long.